Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning. We are talking today about um, goal setting. Um, we uh, we watched two weeks ago. We missed last week, of course, for the great snow apocalypse that didn't occur. Um, and two weeks ago, um, Dr. Kimmel was talking about goal setting, and um, Scooty and I thought that we would take a day here and there to just talk about. Um, implementing some of the practices that we're learning about. And so today was a day that we were going to just spend a little bit more time on talking about discipling our children with specific goals in mind. Um, Adam is at Men's Encounter, and so um, I'm going to just enjoy all of you today without Scooty. I have put together a handout for you that I'm going to go through here in just a little bit. And it's divided up with some spiritual goals and some emotional growth goals and then um, a way that we can look at discipling our children using um, a spiritual perspective, a genetic perspective, um, and then kind of a goals and planning perspective. So uh, we're just going to spend a little bit of time talking through Um, What do we really want to see happen in the lives of our kids? So let's pray, and then uh, I'm going to let you guys talk a little bit and get caught up, and then we'll jump into our material. Lord, thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you have put us as parents in a disciple-making mode where we are working with our children that they would be able to understand you, attach to you, interact with you um, in ways that are really meaningful to them. Lord, we do pray for our children because they're growing up in a world that is trying to pull you out of their experience and to put pleasure and selfishness at the core of their lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would help for us to really consider how we might help our children be connected with you and to have real experiences with you that really matter. We know that we have to interpret life events. We have to give them good teaching. We need to model what it means to follow you. And we need to help them to make sense of what their world and their experience is like. So we invite you into this conversation today and ask that you would bless us and help for us to be thoughtful of what we need to do in order to help our children to really grow up and into a greater understanding of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, What I would like to do is just give you an opportunity to talk um, about how things are going, uh, what elements of this material you're putting into practice and how well that's going, maybe questions that you might have, and then we're going to talk about um, some of these goal-setting processes. So I'm going to turn this off and let you guys get caught up with each other, and I'll uh, move between our uh, two tables. So... One of the things that we're going to talk about today is emotional competence, where research has said that the ability that we have to get along with people is the number one indicator of success in life. So what, conference this weekend was about. Yeah, so what we're talking about is really critical for a person who 
um, either struggles with or is less interested in making those good connections with another person because an individual can accidentally become overly independent and our job is to help them find the right level of interdependence for who they are. So like I am a big extrovert so I would have friends all over the place. Um, my son Alex is an, is an introvert mostly and so he just wanted his little group and he doesn't have any trouble saying no to certain people but he wants to have that closeness for those two or three really really good friends um, so trying to help him be healthy to figure out how do you say no so you don't come off as arrogant or harsh and how do you um, keep those good relationships going are really, really important for him. And then how do you interact with other people, especially those that might be a little bit annoying? So a part of it is, um, and I, I like to think of it this way, is the, the culture or the DNA of your family. What are you going to stand for? That is what, what is going to be really, really important that you're willing to have some level of tension over within your family. And that's where I like the word blend, is that you want to ask yourself, what is a good... Um, interaction blend for this particular child. So for one, you may have to pull that child back, and for another one, you might have to help advance that child. And another one, you may just have to help that child figure out um, for himself or herself what's a really good way for us to do that. And so when we get to that emotional competence, it's broken off into five areas. You'll be able to find the one pretty easily that she probably needs some help with, yeah. And the rest might be okay. But you need all five of them in order to be gainfully employed, to be able to stay married, to have a good friendship, all of those. So I just like to think of it as where are you naturally strong in and where are you naturally struggling in? Because we all have those. And then our job is to come alongside and help them with finding the right blend or helping them. And so I would just tell our kids that in our family we, this is just what we do, and how you want it, and then I would arbitrarily set 18 and leaving home as a chance for them to decide what they want to do. <laughs> like you can't have um, a tattoo until you're 18 and you move away from home and you get to decide because a tattoo is fairly permanent. So I don't want you to have one just in the spur of the moment. Yeah. You know, I, you're not going to be drinking in my home before, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for you to do that because I don't want you to accidentally think that it's okay to overconsume that. But when you're out on your own, you're going to have to make up your own mind. No R-rated movies, unless I've seen them, until you are out on your own. And then you get to decide. And we were able to kind of stave off some things and had lots and lots of conversations about movies, about drinking, about smoking, about tattoos. But I just did it under the guise of, you're going to be an adult, and I want you to save this um, until you're more ready to make those decisions. And I know that that gets harder and harder and there are all these issues associated with it, but you know, we, we just kind of decided to arbitrarily set when you are on your own, you get to make up your own mind. Until then, this is just what we do as a family. And that was really helpful for them. Like implementing this with her, like she is, like she'll be the type of throw fit, I mean, like every other kid does. Sure. So like how do you work through that? Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're doing like a movie night or something, and yeah. she doesn't want to be there. Sure. Like she's going to make it known Yeah. she doesn't want to be there. Well, one of the things that I would say is that somebody who is wired the way that your daughter is, is really struggling with control. Yes. 
more than struggling with I hate you and I don't want anything to do with you. So what you have to do is give them ample warning and maybe even a say, if possible, as to what goes into that night or that event. So like Friday night is going to be our movie night and you need to tell her that at least a day or two in advance. If you surprise her and say tonight we're going to have a movie night, it's like you can expect a hissy fit pretty regular, unless it's her idea. So what you're really trying to think about is what... I know she's sick. It sounds like she already had plans. Yeah, yeah. What, what, yeah. what is a structure that would work for it? At six, it's tonight. Remember, tonight we're going to watch a movie together as a family, so I just want you to be ready. Yeah, and it's like, well, what if I don't want to? Well, then when we're done, you can do what you'd like to, but we're going to do this as a family. Um, and I like the yes when. So if she says, well, I want to do this, yes, when we're done watching a movie. Rather than, no, you can't do that right now. It's yes, when. And that's one, mm-hmm. one thing I learned, and I don't know, maybe my parents as teachers, was like, don't give them a choice. Don't say, do you want to, if, like, no's not an answer. Right. So, like, yeah. Briss and I have especially had to say, you know, like, weird, but I don't want, I, I understand that, but, you know, I didn't get, this was not a choice. I right. didn't ask for yes or no this time. Right. Maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like I'm hearing this a lot lately where people say, you know what, it's okay to tell your kids, no, we are going to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give them a choice. Where mm-hmm. what, I, what I like to tell... Strips, you know, if they're like, she can have an oral antibiotic, we can shop, it's going to be too, and it's going to hurt. Yeah. As a doctor, I said, well, you know, the shop will probably work faster. We don't worry about missing mm-hmm. antibiotics. I'm sick. And I said, I said, you know, she takes shots pretty well. He said, well, this is my kid. I wouldn't give him an option. I wouldn't care. I don't. Yeah. Just yeah. give it to him. I'm like, the doctor saying do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of that parent. What I like to do is just tell our kids, well, this is what we're going to try for right now and see how well it works. Or this seems to be a really good option, so we're going to go ahead and do this, and then let's talk about it later. Yeah. Well, I told Jess yesterday morning she was the one to do something and we couldn't do it. And we said, we're not going to do it now, but that doesn't mean that we can't do it tomorrow. I'm right. going to say no for today. And so... I mean, she was better with, you know, she didn't argue as much then. Mm-hmm. I found the comment that in this family, we and all, you know, you're part of this family, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I even caught her using it. We had our nephew last week. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a family week. She, she Big bossy. I mean, oh, yeah. An adult. He's That's a handful, too. They're the same kid. <laughs> A handful. I, the kid's a Texas tornado. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> he, I mean, he does not mind. I mean, he doesn't mind at all. Does not care. Yeah. And I don't He'll know how many times. And, but if you touch him, he's oh yeah, he's and, lost you it. Know, it's like he just family, shot him in the leg. He's done. In this family, we don't walk up and punch people, even if you think it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. Like I, I could have put myself under a quarter last week. We me even talking. In this family, family we because he wanted it. to get down from supper and go to. Right. I'm done. No, no. In this family, we wait till everyone's done. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I know, not really. But <laughs> and he sat there. Yeah. By the end of the weekend, he was a little reformed. What's amazing with just a little bit of structure for a little bit of time can do. Mm-hmm. Sister's way too late. <laughs> Yeah, the older they are, the harder it is to get that structure mm-hmm. if it's not in place early on. So, you know, bringing in. <laughs> yeah, because children bring in their own structure mm-hmm. that helps to protect them or it makes sense to them, and they have to trust us that everything is going to be okay. 
and it's harder the older they are and the more that they've been hurt. And I don't know if you said this or one of our therapists that we see said this, but like with uh, Alexis, you know, she came to us at six and a half, almost seven. So her world was chaos. And we're very structured and calm and whatever. And the therapist said, but she has to have that chaos. So if it's not here, she has Mm -hmm. to create it. And it was like, yes, we see that. Mm -hmm. I bet she does, yeah. And the other thing that we notice with her that we're trying to deal with is that you know you would think in your mind just coming from you know regular background that um, now if you have things you would be appreciative and that kind of thing no it's the opposite it's there's never she never has enough she's never satisfied it's never enough that's jesse Mm -hmm. and we got jesse when she was three and she came from chaos younger so you'd think Mm -hmm. well now she's seven so we've had all time and it has improved it has gotten better but no matter what do they say you know, we've had kids where you give them like 30 minutes of time and that buys you like a couple hours. I can do something now. She could go play on her. Yeah. Nothing is ever enough. you give her is enough. She wants more and more Mm -hmm. and more. Right. And I don't care how many toys she has. Right. Clothes. Anything. Or time. Or time. Attention. never Mm -hmm. enough to fill this kid and he was constantly Right, and and I don't know what we can do for them. Mm. What do we do? And, and they say, you know, everything they ever think they ever tell us is just time. And Jesse has improved. We've had four years, yeah. and it has gotten better and better and better. But it's still she, it's, a lifetime of work ahead. Just, and it's it's very disappointing when you know you have whatever family gathering or something, and all the relatives give them something, and then she's like. You know, is this it? Yeah. You know, yeah, everybody's know. like, what? Uh, I know. How would you, we yeah. just... You know, it's like ungrateful. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I always think about that Je- about with Jesse, because I was just thinking about the other day, I'm like, oh, my child is so ungrateful, mm-hmm. so much, and so much right. love, because right. we've got two families mm-hmm. that are big, and everybody, she's one of us, and nobody's ever treated her any differently, but it's just, you know, she's still missing a lot. Right. As much as it was horrible mm-hmm. where she was, she loved her parents. They're gone. They might as well. It's like they died, and she can't get them back. There's nothing she can do. We just can't fill that. So what do we do to help fill that void? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I think about, I'm going to try to answer that question a little bit, (laughs) because it's a really, um, I I think a lot of routine um, and some structure is really important. But have you all watched the hoarders, the the Are stuff on hoarders, the show, the show hoarders? I can't because well, it upsets me and makes me angry. Yeah, so it makes me angry. So yeah. I, get, I know. Yeah. Do you, you know why people hoard? Yeah, they're trying. It's usually after a loss they're or they're filling. Yes, they are. Jesse would be a hoarder. Yes, exactly. That's what you were talking about. Is she will collector? She wants to hang on. Yes, yes. She has. Yes, people will hoard. They'll hoard relationships. They'll hoard time. They'll hoard objects. So if you look at why somebody does that, there is a need that was not met when they were younger, and they're afraid that that need will not be met again in the future. So why is stuff not enough? Because in another year, I might have nothing. Therefore, if I have this much stuff and I can control this much stuff, then at least I know that I have some level of security, but I'm never secure in having that. 
because I lost it or I didn't have it or it was chaotic. And so there's not an ability to be restful inside of somebody who comes from that, at least initially. And that's what you're watching is that kind of rumbling inside of, I just really can't rest, that you will provide for me. It has nothing to do with your character. It has everything to do with the sense of loss or deprivation that they had had before, that it was so impactful. Um, it's hard to get over it, but I think one, one of the things that we do is we have to identify, I think, what's going on, is that I want you to know that you probably feel like more would be better so that you would feel more secure. And I want you to know that as long as you live in this family, in this house, um, we will take care of your needs. And I know that that's hard for you sometimes because of feeling like maybe we're not going to do that. And I get that. But I want you to know that that's one of the things that we want to do. The second thing I think that you should do is really pray with them about that need. Lord, just really help for Peter to be able to learn what it's like to be cared for with people who really love him. And that's all that you would say. Not preach, not teach, but just just help Peter to really rest and know what that's like. Uh, because we do, we do love Peter and we care about him and we know that this is something he's dealing with. And then the third thing is um, help them see a graduated sense of stuff. Like you wouldn't give a six-year-old the same thing that you would give a 12-year-old, but a six-year-old in this condition wants the same things that a 12-year-old would have. And that's really hard for them is there's this sort of this development. So if you give a, an elementary school child everything that you would give a teenager, what's left to give a teenager? And then they become really, really frustrated. And so there's this sense of, right now, this is what we're going to be doing for you because there's more that will come as you get a little bit older. And then there's the inevitable fuss and the cry and the, you know, I I don't really trust you. And I think that if we recognize that there's kind of this void inside of them that's an emotional void and maybe... um, Oh, I, the word I think about is poverty, is that there's just this sense of deprivation, that we're here to help you have this this basic and then a little bit more viewpoint. It's almost like you have to point that out a lot for them. So before Christmas, it's like, hey, I just want you to know that um, this is one of those times that you might feel like you would like some more things so that you feel better. And here's what I want you to know is that as you go through this, I'm going to ask you to not say at the end, is there any more? What I want to do is when we're done, pull this aside and talk about what you do have and how much our family really does love and care about you, knowing that you will always want to have more. The other thing that you might want to say is to your kids is that you live in a culture that teaches us to be dissatisfied, which plays right into the sense of dissatisfaction. So when they see something on TV or they watch a YouTube person, yeah, this, this, this is it. This is going to do that. But on the inside, it really doesn't. It's because it's the quality of the relationships that we have that actually bring us the satisfaction. And that's what's been attacked is I lost my parents, or I lived in poverty, or I got abused by the people who were supposed to love me. And so the quality of that relationship has been damaged. And what we're saying is, you can trust us. And they're thinking, I'm just not really sure that I can do that just yet. And over time, it does get better, but... I know it just, when we we do start to have, you know, she's got to a point now where it's not always this elevated problem, because for a while there, it's like it's always way down, way Mm -hmm. up. It's stabilizing a bit, but when we notice things start to get start to get bad, yes. we just have trouble regulating. 
um, sometimes it helps to sit down and talk, and I just kind of open that up, and uh, it doesn't, she may not want to talk at first, but she usually eventually will, mm-hmm. she's ready, and we'll talk, and I am very open, and I know adoptive or foster parents who aren't, but I'm very open to talking about her family, because we can't take that away. Right. That still exists, and I tell her she still has a mom and dad. They're still her mom and dad. That doesn't change that they were her mom and dad and still are. That the more she gets to talk about it, she starts to feel better. Yeah. But I never want her, because I know parents are like, well, she was young, so she'll probably forget about them. And they do. Which I think is a mistake, because they won't. And uh, I let her know, hey, you know, when you get older, and I think it's safe, it's time, and if you want to go find them and see how things are going, we'll do that. I'll do that with you. Oh, my kid gets 16, and running off to find exactly who knows mm-hmm. what yeah exactly. right so we're very open and sometimes <clears throat> reminding her that you can talk to me about this it's okay mm-hmm. i don't it doesn't hurt me to talk about it. sometimes a little bit but right. i don't let her know that. right 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 but let's talk about your, you know you can talk whatever you want and she'll start is my mom still in jail and she'll just talking about it and sometimes that kind of relieves it a little bit <clears throat> one we've had alexis in therapy three years and yeah. everything play therapy, individual mm-hmm. therapy, family therapy, everything you think of. <clears throat> she doesn't open up to us, but she will open up to the therapist, and I can hear, you know, I yeah. can hear it yeah. then, during that time. So, um, some of the things that I have noticed, just me, that I'm picking up on is that I honestly think that she, we've had this eating issue. She doesn't want to mm-hmm. eat yeah. when it's time to eat. She, she you know, will do everything she can not to eat, and then when we're finished and we actually get up, you know, hour mm-hmm. or something later, then she'll eat when nobody's watching. It's all this control thing. Yeah. It's not a, yeah. that she has an eating disorder. Yeah. It's just all about this control. So I honestly think that she feels like, since she has nutrition now, yeah. she feels guilty that yeah. birth mom doesn't. And since she has a warm, safe place to live and clothes yeah. to wear and things to have and everything, mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. feels guilty. Horrible thinking of a small child feeling guilt, and they don't yeah. even really know what that is. Right. They don't know what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's even do. mentioned to us, you know, well, and maybe she could come live with us. Yeah. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, yeah. and yeah, I'm like, she, it, that will never happen. She will never live yeah. with us because, yeah. you know, she's in her 30s. She's made choices. These yeah. are the choices. You know, we have to respect yeah. that. Plus, she's transgender, now Logan. So we're dealing with all of that of, yeah, yeah that... You know, we have to respect Logan. Logan wants to be male. Logan wants to be referred to as he. We have to respect that. They have the same heart, but they're not the same person anymore. So she is. She's just like, you know, everywhere. So anyway, it it finally was this huge aha moment for me to finally realize, oh, my gosh, it's all about this, which I never recognized because I don't come from that. So I just need to figure out how how do we deal with this? What do we What do we do? I think one thing that we started at school, because I think you're exactly right, we're just a culture just satisfied people that we've kind of started with some of our kids, like, they're never happy, it doesn't matter. They've, they've started gratitude journals with our older kids, and they can't pick, like, a material object when they write about it. Some do it daily, some do it every week, and they just write, you know, like, they talk to them and they really think of, what's something that I'm, you know, that I'm thankful for because they don't know how to be thankful anymore mm-hmm. and as teachers like we're that was one of our complaints like these people which we have a whole lot of strong christian teachers in our school and that was one thing we're like they're never thankful like they don't understand and our, we're from a very poor community mm-hmm. and so we've tried to show them things like the things you need to be thankful for are not 
things mm -hmm. that not all of us might have. Like somebody mm -hmm. over here, you know, has a whole lot of stuff and their parents drive a nice car and their parents, are, they don't like take care of them very good though. Look yeah. at your parents, yours do. And I think it helps some of our kids yeah. really kind of, mm -hmm. I yeah. do have a lot to be thankful well, for. I don't, they don't know what the rest of the world looks like and how blessed mm. that most of these kids are, even the ones that don't have much. They've got parents yeah. that are there and are feeding them and they've got a few, it's still got more than what the rest of the world has. That's, we said that. Right. See that. The sixth grade teacher had me talk to them because they're very immature. Mm. And she's, you know, like the first week of school, they were just, I didn't want to get out of bed. I mean, just, oh. I found and I sat down with my mom. And I brought Our up. Kids in Africa, I did. not have this food, and you're sitting here griping. I brought up. I didn't make gravy. <laughs> right? <laughs> I brought up my pictures of Haiti. And it was like a, I, and I'm like, guys, look at these kids. Like, yeah, look at them. They're like, that's a house? Yeah, that's yeah. a home. And they are thankful. But they have it. Yeah. I said, I've never met an ungrateful child in Haiti. And it yeah. was kind of a realization of, oh. That was a discussion. I, so we, we take trips instead of um, gifts at Christmas. And we hmm. took a trip overseas to Jamaica. And we stayed in a pretty poor community. Um, and that was one of the things at first the kids were like, oh, my gosh. Like, they were very judgmental. Like, look at their yeah. schools. Look at their houses. They're so, like, we, we're so much better than them. And I'm like... <laughs> Look at all the people out on the streets smiling, talking to each other, mm -hmm. laughing, enjoying each other. Like, yeah. every time we went to the public beach, all the little kids were so happy. They'd come over and play and do yeah. everything. And I'm like, it's not about what we have at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes, so much stuff. in my opinion, they have a little bit more than us because mm -hmm. we don't have that connection. I can't tell you my neighbor's name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so and that really, it really helped them mm -hmm. seeing yeah. that yeah. and coming back. So. Yeah. What what you all are talking about is a part of the DNA of your own family, and what do you want your children to really know and experience? And so much of parenting is about taking that lead, where you're looking at what would really help our children to become the kinds of men and women that they really need to be. And there is a, a part of parenting that I think we should all do, you know, like the idea of service. Uh, the idea of having our eyes open to what the world is really like. I think every family ought to have some kind of experience that allows for that, especially those of us that are living in such a wealthy society. And then the second one is how do you streamline that to the specific needs of your children because they need to connect in a particular way. And that's what you're looking at is what is the way that I can talk or the way that I can pray or the the specific experiences that I can bring based upon the unique needs of my kids. Like the gratitude journal, is that good for everybody? Probably. Yeah, yeah. But when you're doing the gratitude journal, you can actually focus it down on, well, I know that you talked about how much you liked X, Y, and Z. Now, what is a, who is a person or what is a group of people? And you're just really focusing in on making sure that people are making the right connections, where some people will naturally make those connections. They'll go, well, I love my friends, and this is really great, mm -hmm. where other people will go to an object. And so you're really trying to focus in on what do you think is really going to help accelerate your children. And then what I would say is you want a, a good, solid month where you're talking about that with them. Don't, mm -hmm. don't go from topic to topic too rapidly. 
because um, they can't really absorb it and know what to do with it. So if you do the gratitude journal, which I think is a great idea, you're going to want to spend some time on it as well as share with them things that you're grateful for um, and how you're grateful for God putting your sons and daughters in your family and what they mean to you from that standpoint. Now, when you have adoptive kids or foster kids, if you start connecting with them too fast, they may start to misbehave because they don't know what to do with that attachment. So when you're working with them and they, you, you try some of these more normal things that are just pretty typical and they begin to act up a little bit, it just simply means that they're uncomfortable. And you have to just acknowledge, this might make you a little bit uncomfortable, but I want you to know that I'm really glad that you are in our family and that you are a part of our family. And I just want you to know that I really like you and I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. And you, you just kind of have to acknowledge that level of uncomfortability with that. Or the, it's uncomfortable to eat with us. I recognize it's uncomfortable for you to eat with us, but I want you to know that, that it's okay, that, that you're okay. This is a safe place, and we'll keep working on this so that maybe over time you could get a little more comfortable with eating with us. And, and it's okay for you to be able to do that. And it's, it's recognizing the family issues or the dynamics that you're talking about and then growing from that point. That's what we did with our kids. You're having a rough day. We love you. We care about you. Everyone has a rough day. So what can we do to help you to process this? Everybody has a subject matter that they struggle with that you have to spend more time on. That's pretty normal. Some people have more. Some people have less. It's okay that you have an area to struggle with. Everybody has somebody that annoys the snot out of them. Everybody has that person. So let's, yeah, some, some have more noise. So let's talk about what can you do in order to process that and be less annoyed, but that person doesn't have to be your best friend. It's okay. You know, I mean, so what you're doing is you're just recognizing that and then you're moving them forward and they will talk about it later. You just keep going back and visiting with that. I might try to talk to Jesse and she don't want to talk and for some reason... We'll be driving in the car. Yep. I'm in the front. She's in the back. And we've had some of our biggest. Mm-hmm. I've had stuff where she's, that's where I heard a lot of the stories about what happened when she was little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, one time, we didn't have as much food as you have at your house. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. And in the car. Yep. You know why? It's crazy. Because she's not looking at you face to face. Yeah. And it's I safer. see people that they'll talk to a child and um, their foster children, their own children, and they're like, look at me. Look at mm-hmm. me. And I'm like. Make them look at yeah. you if they can't, but you they'll they can still hear you, yeah. even if they're not looking at you, and they can still understand you, even if they're not looking at you. But making mm-hmm. them do that, especially if they've been through trauma, is cool, yeah, <laughs> because it's hard for them, scared. yeah, yeah. Alexis yeah. gives me most of her information about her past in the car, in the car, random, just yeah, yeah. Random. yeah you'll be Very driving, random. not even expecting it, and uh, mom, my dad threw my mom through a window, yeah, yeah, and I got cut. And the yeah, police, Jesse was so, she is afraid of police. And, you know, we'd see a police sure. car come by us. Yeah. And yeah. we'd start hearing, I'd hear the stories. And, yeah, it's my mom's fault. It wasn't my dad's. It was my mom's because she was always fighting. And, yeah. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. In the car. It's like yep. when you're not ready. <laughs> yep. So I just, oh, really? And I just listen. I just let her, yeah. <clears throat> 
We were at the therapist the other day, and the therapist asked Alexis something about, do you remember about, you know, before you came to this family? She made up some elaborate story about going to Disney World and how they met the fantasy story. It was this complete, huge, enormous fantasy. And I thought, oh gosh. Jesse lived in a castle, and she. Now we've opened up a whole new realm. What do we do with that? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. They try to bit, bit, build it bigger and better than it was. Right. And in Jesse's case, I think some of it was she had started to forget a little bit. Oh, she remembers a lot. Yeah. I think because so much yeah. of it happened in such chaos, it's just really burned into her brain. But um, she, at one point, she was doing oh, her her bedroom was like a castle. Yeah. How, what are we? Why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very concerning. I mean, we yeah. go from. You know, the, I love the her. Yeah, she was only three and four when she was doing that. Really, she doesn't do it anymore. <clears throat> but you know, at some point, I've always tried to be honest with her, but at her level, so to not try to go over because I never want to say anything bad about her mom or dad. So. Right. And but that's what I did. And it's difficult. Try to it's be difficult. honest mm-hmm. because she'll pick items yeah. that were given to her from you know family members and make up this elaborate story about her. Her birth mother gave her my this mom gave me that. How, yeah, you know, her other nana gave her this and that kind of stuff, and it. it it's just difficult because we don't know how to handle it. It's hurtful. Mm-hmm. How know? old is she? Yeah. She's, She's going to be 10 in okay. June. Yeah, one, one of the things that you might want to talk to your therapist about this because I always hesitate to overstep boundaries professionally. One of the things I think that's really important for us to do with our kids is help them to really distinguish real from pretend. And she can't. Is she? Yeah. yeah. She's building. And, yes. and then to help them because the distortion of reality um, is really difficult because it's easier, and I, I always make jokes, when I make my plans, they always work really great on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. but the moment that they're put into practice, there's something that I didn't see or something that happens. And I think it's really helpful for us to look at our kids and say, I want you to know that there are parts about what you said that are true. You got that from wherever. And it's, it's really a great account that you gave. Could you re-say that? By what really happened. So I listened to you, and it would be that's a great story. And maybe there could be an opportunity for some storytelling. Um, we use that with our kids, where I would just say, Give me three things, and I would tell them a, a fantastical story with that thing. Where maybe you could give her three things and have her just tell you a fantastic story. Um, three things that she doesn't have. But when she comes up with something, say, okay, remember this was a fantastic story, but we're only going to do that with things that you don't have. So we're, we're going to talk about pretend stories and real stories or real accounts. So let's talk about what really did happen with this on some level and maybe save the Disney World for the ideal vacation. Wouldn't it be really great if you could have a vacation like that in some way, um, where you're really trying to separate that out. I never wanted her to keep building on that and keep living in that. And I was like, so you have to, I always, and I don't even know if what I did was right, but she doesn't do it anymore. But I'd have to bring it back around like, well, you know, I bet you had a really nice room, but did it make you think of a castle? Yeah. Or did it have this or that? And, you know, it finally kind of come around a bit, but I never let her. I never just went, oh, really? Like, yeah, you lived in a castle. I yeah. didn't want to. Right, didn't want to encourage it. Yeah. Encourage it or not address because then you want her to know. I didn't want to reinforce yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't right. want to reinforce. It's very concerning like, because, honestly, yes. I don't know what yeah. to do. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. it's scary. I've not, not my child, but I have this one sixth grade boy. I only have four kids my first hour, and they're the lowest of the low. And he is constantly telling these whoppers. And I finally just started kind of calling, politely calling him out on it. 
the first time I just said, hey, wait for a minute. I need to talk to you after class. And he did. I said, buddy, I love listening to your stories. But there's a point when I tell you go from truth to not. I said, and I'm telling this because I love you. And you're going to, like, people aren't, they're not going to believe anything you. you say. Remember the boy that cried wolf? Yeah. I go, when you just keep going and going and going, I know you, you're trying to sound, because he doesn't have very many friends. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know you're wanting friends and love. And I love you no matter what stories you tell. But you've got to learn to tell the truth. This is going to hurt you in life. Mm-hmm. And so now he'll start on a story every morning. And I'll be like, <laughs> ask yourself, truth, make believe. He's like, yeah, I need to change that detail. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, he is getting. That's funny. But I know he doesn't get any of that at home. No. Yeah. But yeah. the security of the relationship with you is why he can do that. And I guess that's what I would say, too, is as you're going through this, that you don't have to impress me. And your real friends, you don't have to impress either. They want to know who you are. But it's this sense of, I'm special, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. I've had this great experience. These people really love me because I feel, again, neglected and so empty on the inside. And that's what I told him, like where he's doing it to his friends. I'm sure he does it to his family, but they don't listen to him, so it doesn't matter. By you doing this, like you're pushing them away. Yeah. You're right. not gaining friends, buddy. Like this is not helping. Yeah. So how do you address them in... in- very similar circumstances. We had this discussion in the middle. We had a lot of family over last night. And <laughs> yeah, house out of the house still till late. So, but the yeah, you lost an hour of sleep too. Right. right. Yeah, that's great. But Jess has this same, and we, we've talked to like AOK when she goes to daycare, this same situation is that when she's with, you know, her peers and other little kids, she is just overwhelmingly pushing herself up on them yeah. and doesn't stay out of their face. She's in them all the she's time. She's loud. out loud. She, she, she's she obnoxious. Is she's up. I mean, just yeah. hurt. She's and totally And we tried escalated. to talk to her about, you know, you need to give people their space. You can't. But it, And I don't want to, like, squash her or anything. Right. But I, don't, I just, it, again, my honesty thing is, like, you know, she wants people to be my friends. So bad. Yeah. And she's actually... Pushing people like, away. But I want to tell her, but without telling her, I'm not saying, I don't want to be really critical, yeah. like, you know, you have to change. <laughs> you know, but okay, I, I do I want her a, to back up a little I have bit. a weird suggestion you, for you. Yeah. It's called practice, that you're the friend. Ah. Uh. Yeah, at home, and you get and you yeah and and you you're you're interacting with her in advance yeah. of those meetings. Well, see, I've to actually, practice those boundaries. I'm actually considering, and she's doing fine academically. Consider where she's came uh-huh. come from. She has no IEP. She's doing pretty good and staying up there, but socially mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. with her in the way she is, uh-huh. just she can be. It's Sorry, like she's missing that. something. Yes, she is. And I've actually considered, I'm like, I went to a meeting to get more information. I was actually thinking about homeschooling her starting next year only, only so we can maybe start building on some, and I know it seems backwards to take her away from people to mm-hmm. try to build some uh, social skills, but I just thought, you know, a toddler learns it at home first, and I thought maybe she was home and I could, like, coach some of that stuff and reinforce some of that stuff, that I could actually help her do better. Yeah, yeah, and it is helping. You know, we, you know, she yes. played upward basketball mm-hmm. and yeah. gymnastics, yeah. and like I said, it's getting better. It's just she's that mm-hmm. kid who's always 
hugging other people when they're like, Ugh. Yeah. and they did yeah. the therapies. They did the yeah. thing with the hula hoop, yeah. trying to teach her about space. She has none. She has no boundaries. Yes. Does she like ask? Yeah, that's Lex. Yeah. No boundaries. Yeah. She is the first kid that will exactly. go up to the guy in the van looking for a puppy. Exactly. Like, Where are we going? Alexis has no problem exactly going up to strangers right. and asking for money, asking for food. Yeah. Jesse like, will in this family. Things. We don't do that. That's and right. Yeah, I know. Don't. I, I do provide enough. <clears throat> yeah. 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 She knows that. No, really. Can I I like that. Who does that? And, you know, honey, we don't do that. We don't need to do that. But it's almost like, you know, maybe they'll see us and I'll get something. Yeah. And she's like, have you no problem? Have you tried to no. have her ask, no. like, is it okay if I give you a hug? Yes, we try that. And she's getting a little better, better. But still, she just, she's got those impulse yeah. control issues. Yeah. She's just yes. like, yeah. she sees her friends at school. And sometimes she's like, oh, I don't have any friends. Which I know is not true. She does have friends. It takes her a while to build them. Mm-hmm. But she does. And we'll, I'll go pick her up from school sometimes. I'll pick her up. She's got to give people hugs in the lines. And we're leaving. And she's like, hey. And she's over. She's like grabbing on people. And she just can't keep her. Alexis doesn't know any of her friends' names. Never has. Really? Hmm. But she'll she'll see somebody here that yeah. she's seen at school. And she'll go, there's my loud friend. Hi, loud friend. You know. And everybody's her name. I don't know. I'm like, okay, your job is to ask her. But it's, yeah, she's pegged them all by some characteristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that interesting. Does it? Care to know form the concrete in her mind? Maybe that's the way of keeping a distance from them. Yes, now. yes. She wins their name, she's getting close to them. Yes, and everybody's her friend that she wants to be. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. It, so it protects her. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's what I would. There's another problem that I can see with our two girls, and Poor Lexi, we just pick on her all the time. Well, she's a puzzle, and we don't know what to do. Some yeah. kids are yeah. harder to raise. It seems like lately <laughs> she's gotten worse at paddling. Every mm-hmm. time we turn around, it's Layla did this, Layla did that. She's always paddling. Mm-hmm. How do you stop a child from that? And it's yeah. because she's not getting her way. Mm-hmm. There's um, an observation that I would make to you, which is really kind of fun. <laughs> Girls at age 9 and 10 get way more verbal. Boys at about el- yeah, <laughs> boys at 11 or 12 don't have any use for their moms anymore. I mean those are over generalizations, but you'll notice that don't girls cry. yeah, <laughs> girls will I'm, not, I'm just not believing yeah, this we'll, with my kids. We'll raise up. That's and, our mama's boy. Yeah, and then 11 or 12 is like I can do this on my own. So, what I would say is that you've got two things going. You have a more verbal, natural development. I think it's a developmental window where she's more proficient at language, wants to use language more. But then the second one is out of her, out of her needs, she's using that then in order to try to get other people in trouble so that she can do what she needs to do. So in our family, uh, when there was tattling, um, we would bring the two of them together and they would both equally get in trouble. That's how, that's how boy, because yeah. because one is tattling and is yeah. trying to get the other one in trouble, and the other one is defending, and the one who's tattling is generally not telling the whole truth. And so it's like you you can either work this out or you can both have this consequence together. And that tends to work fairly well to limit the tattling that's going on. And they, they can't be mean, but they just have to be like. And restitution is a really great way to deal with things where you have to do three or four nice things for the other person which usually just kills all tattling and all other things and the person and the person gets to decide what those three or four nice things are yeah, yeah it's an old testament concept restitution where you do four times back 
what you injured that person. So if you stole from them, you paid them four times back what you had yeah, stolen. I, I mean, that's where the whole Zacchaeus yeah. thing came in, where he just went out and he just repaid everybody back. That's that concept. And so we just started to use that to say if you offend somebody, if you cuss at them, if you say I hate you, if you do something, then you have to repay them back because that's hurtful. So if you're not treating each other the right way, then you need to do something nice for them. And so four things, three or four things is what's worked out really well. So they make Just your bed. separating them doesn't seem to no, work. No, it doesn't at all. Yeah, my Time together. No, because, because they're together, they get bored, and they love picking on each other. <laughs> and so that there's an excitement in just making the other person go crazy right. and then acting all innocent about it. Yeah, it does yeah, work because exactly. there wasn't a lot of tattling in our family because my parents did that a lot, and I was just thought they were lazy. Um, it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, everybody's in trouble. That's everybody. right, everybody. <laughs> and so it became like we'd start to bicker, and it's like, oh, what? no. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. I don't want to be over here. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. We had our nephew, and I mean, it really he's a handful, weekend. and he makes my kids a handful. And I'm not a very calm person. I like to blow up really fast. <laughs> and I love it, honestly. I was trying to be as calm as I could be, and I just straight up told him, I said, okay, I said, everybody stand up. And they all three stood up. And I said, you put your hands in the air until I tell you to put them down. And they stood there I was forever. Dying. And I was like, I told them, I said, they never listen. And when they listen, and I said, okay, you got to follow me. Because, I mean, we needed them to get ready for bed. And they wouldn't. They, they just wanted to tear up everything. So they all had their hands up. They all walked to the bed, to the two bedrooms. And we got them ready. And, and they are like, can we put our hands down? And I said, are you guys going to listen? And one of them said, yeah. The other one didn't answer. And Grace just smiled at me. I said, okay, that's fine. Hands up. <laughs> I see them I mean, they had their hands their ones up. I got a pictures of them with their hands up. And they, after that, every time I said, guys, listen, they'd stand up and put their hands up. I was like, you don't have to put your hands I up. Like I said, like are you listening? Hands, it wasn't really me. And now just, one, two, three, all eyes on me. Yeah. I know. That's so funny. The little nephew has no control. Or he is control. And it was possible. I mean, he's coming to your house. He'll run you. I mean, he's that manipulative, and he's three. I mean, he's very smart. But you have to get, you have to pull the bluff because he's like his dad. And his dad thinks he's really strong. And I mean, he'll throw his bluff out there. I'm a whip you. Before, but if you throw yours out before he throws his, then he's like, okay, okay, you might, you might win. But you have to tell him that the nephew that because. He don't know. He he thinks he's gonna whip you. Yeah. He, he's four and you're thirty five. I mean, <laughs> the four years you're going to jail. Yet. I mean, yeah. he thinks that's gonna happen. But I mean, that's that's how I figured out to, to sure. control him is just he yeah. has to know I'm the authority. And yeah. every time, and we were at his house yesterday because I'm actually putting the. They spend too much time together. Is the problem? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're family, like siblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, cousins. Yeah. We were at their house, and Miles was like, "Why is my son standing there with his hands up?" I said, "Because I said he knows that's how I get his attention." Yeah. And Miles was like, "Put your hands down." He, he looks at me, he goes, "Can I put my hands down?" I go, "I said that's fine." I said, "But you have to listen to your mom and dad." Okay. And then he was good. Sarah's like, "That really works." So, what <laughs> suggestions with that mm-hmm. with him? Just get tired of our littles are twenty six days apart. The two boys, mm-hmm. and they're at the same sitter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're double cousins. Yeah. So like they spent evenings this week together because I was out of town three nights and all day yesterday together. So like today's their only three day apart. The little not not mine. The little one 
He's Byron is mean. Like he's mean. The babysitter's struggling. She doesn't struggle with kids. He's mean. She cannot like time out. Like throwing and punching. Mainly race. We finally resorted to race. Hit him back. And I don't like doing that. But that's the only thing that's working. It's like I feel like I'm going to get all my parenting stuff, but he does, and then he balls. And Angie said he did it to another little boy. That's our babysitter. And then she tried to get Kylan to throw the toy back at him because, like, she's like, I don't know what else to do with this kid. And Kylan wouldn't do it. So she's like, I just lightly threw it at him. She's like, you would have thought I chopped his leg off. She's like, but we didn't have any trouble the rest of the day. So I'm. I know I hate maybe, that. But he's I know. Way. I work with a grown have to woman pharmacist. They're going to be just like that. They're going to be in the same she class. She respected you if you were mean to her. And he's. <laughs> to her. And I hate telling it. I really do. I hate telling race. Just if he punches you, punch him back in the nose. Because I don't want him to think like an eye for an eye. Because I really don't. That's not my parenting style. But you don't I want him to get beat to up. I don't. I want him to stand up for himself. Race is. He's like. Theodore. I mean, he's the he nicest, is. and my little brother's kid is Alvin. I mean, he's <laughs> but he's a, my little brother was a bully, you know. And what? I'm, okay. you know, I mean, I'm more timid yeah. than my little brother. I'm so it's the same I'm way. Not throwing toys when we were over there, and Byron was just kicking race. I mean, just as hard as he could. And Race is screaming, and Race had a fishing pole, a toy fishing pole, and I said, Bobby, I said, use the fishing pole. I mean, Byron's just screaming, and starts crying, and he goes back in there to his dad, Race hit me with the fishing pole. And Miles looks at him and goes, what did you do to Race? Because he's not like that. Well, I was kicking him. Miles was like, I'm not getting on to him. You know, and it never never bothered him again. But I was like, Race, good job. Because, I mean, he never stands up for himself. Usually his sister does it for him, you know. She stands in and she'll, she'll bop by her in the face. She don't really care. But Yeah, we don't it's just call her to find out. It's hard. Because, I mean, we grew up, you know, back when we were talking about having a hoarding. I mean, she looked at me. I, I mean... I go big or go home. I mean, if I buy something, I buy five of them. I don't care. Because I might, you know, and then when I need money, I just sell it. And, you know, then, hey, I got money. So, but, you know. Buy a refrigerator. Yeah. What do you need one for? You know, how? We have three. Shut up, Elizabeth. Yeah, so if you're like, you guys are laughing. Like, yeah. I love this. But, you know, that's how, I mean, I'm feeling a void. I mean, cause I'm, sure. when I was in school, you know, I'm very selfish. I have no friends. One, my little brother. And I mean, I can't rely on him to show up if I need him. He's not going to be there. You know, so I don't rely on anybody. I do everything myself. You know, and then I went to Haiti, you know, and I realized, you know, I need, I have a lot of stuff. I don't know about it. You know, and I really, I would have been the first one to tell you. And, because when I, we went to church down the road when I was younger, and they'd always go to the soup kitchens, and I would never go to that. You know, mm-hmm. I was above that. I thought I was better than that. But I think that's what a lot of kids are missing these days. They they think these are everybody has them, and they're just entitled. They think they're oh, entitled. Yeah. They yeah. They're entitled just because. You know, yeah. and I mean, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit. I school, I buy my kids whatever. I mean, if they say they want, it, I buy. It. I buy it no matter what. You know, because I mean, that's what makes them happy, and I like. They don't have a phone or iPad, but you know, I mean, they have enough toys. And you know, after Haiti, 
I think every kid should have to do something like that. You know, it, whether or not it's with the church or not, just go. You know, it's it's really an eye opening. I mean, my parents always threatened me, you're going to go live with these people if <laughs> you don't act good or you don't respect mm-hmm. this, you know. It was never going to happen, but yeah. it was always that threat, you know, but we knew it would never happen. Yeah. You know, I think if kids, because, I mean, her being a teacher, I'm at the school a lot, and you can see them kids interact with the teachers and everybody else, and they're, I don't never really, I would, I would hope I never acted like that. But, you know, if they come talk to me or I'm there, they're totally different people. You know, because they're like, well, he's a peckerhead. You know, like, <laughs> I don't I would, say that. Well, no, but you mean, you know, that's what they. <laughs> that's what other teachers do. Exactly. They say, you we know, that kid's nice not a right good now. kid or he's honored. Like, I've never, they're always that way with me. But it's also because they're women, too, you know. But if them kids would have to struggle and eat rice for a week, I think hmm. they'd realize that they don't have it too rough. And we don't need to act like that. Because I mean, I'm and that's part of rice eater. Part of my problem yeah. is they don't like they've they've recently started since they you know were having struggles and doing everything better now, but they never left him. Yeah. So he got. I mean, Brock's there, but Brock's nine. So Brock kind of babies him too. So he legitimately is always the center of attention, and he's not then other places. And I think it's hard for him. It like, is hard. Because it's like, whoa, it's not all on me. Like, there are other people that are important, too. Because despite what Jesse might have gone without at times, or the fact that her, her mom was actually one that was abusive, her mm-hmm. father worshipped the ground that she... Mm-hmm. I'm surprised she learned to walk. Yeah, yeah. he spoiled her. Like, he was her... We thought her his only child. We found out later he had other kids he had nothing to do with. But Jesse came along. He was a little older. I never thought he was going to have a kid to raise. He worshipped her. Mm-hmm. I mean, diamond earrings and... Fancy oh, yeah. outfits when she was born, an infant. Um, he, she was totally coddled by him and her brothers, mm-hmm. and so she had this combo of her mom, who I think was jealous of her, didn't like her, and hit her, and then her dad, who you are everything. I think that's kind of where we're at with them because my kids are so close together; like they've had to share. They didn't want to. They didn't have a choice. Yeah. Jesse like, had shared nothing. Yeah. We've always she's never had other children, which I think was part of our problem, which she does not know how to deal with peers. Since they were so li- little and a handful because of health issues, like we've left them with his parents, my parents, for the weekend just for us to, to like get a break and focus on us. But they've not done that because mm-hmm. they're not, you know, there's not two of them. And I think he's. I wouldn't want to walk. I don't want to walk. Oh, whatever. We walk all the time. <laughs> I, I used to do that. I used to buy my girls, like, stuff. But I was mean to them. Mm-hmm. When I came back to church and to God, like, I've learned that uh, giving them my time, it's more important. Like, they will have mm-hmm. this list of stuff that they yeah. wanted for me for yeah. birthdays and stuff. And now they come to me, they don't say anything. Like, mm-hmm. we're talking about going to uh, uh, do some uh, community stuff and go to like houses that look yeah. poor and yeah. just hand them stuff they love that yeah. so it, it has changed like God has changed me from mm-hmm. being materialistic because that's what my yeah. way of showing people that mm-hmm. I love was just buying stuff but I mean like you'll never be enough like, mm-hmm. like I, I'm glad that I got but Jesse had a dad who tried to give her everything she ever like everything he wanted. ever wanted probably 
probably every day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and here's a little princess, and let's raise her up to this, you know. And I think that's also contributed to her dissatisfaction with things. Mm-hmm. It's like she doesn't want to just be, yeah. she, she wants to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. I would say, I mean, just in my experience with my husband, I spoiled them a lot. Um, I got divorced when my baby wasn't even one, and my Carly, the one I have a little trouble with now, is two. Um, and I, so I spoiled them immediately, like I bought them stuff, and that's kind of... guilty. Um, I tried to make up for Jesse's past, but... when they were three and four, um, we took a family vacation, and we came back, and I said, you know, and then they talked about how much fun it was, like, mm-hmm. and some of my favorite memories are the 12-hour drive that we had together. Um, <laughs> and so I talked to them, and I said, hey, and this is why we do trips and service and stuff instead of gifts. I was just like, you know, we can do more of this and help out and volunteer together and... <clears throat> if you're willing to not get gifts. And I really thought at three, four, and eight that they would balk it, but they didn't at all. Really? They said, we would love to do that. I, and ever since then, that's what we've done. I am amazed by kids when you give them that mm-hmm. opportunity. Because yeah. our littles at school, we don't do a Christmas party anymore. Right. We go to the nursing home and take yeah. stuff to them. They like really, our K through three kids don't really. do a party mm-hmm. at all. They, go they say we don't like it, but they do. And now when their birthdays are around, I'm like, what mm-hmm. do you want? And they... They want an experience. They don't want for, you know, mm-hmm. the normal yeah. stuff. I think as a giver, yeah. like material stuff giver, you're, you're, like, what I was trying to do is uh, avoid them to have to go through what I went through when I wanted you stuff. Yeah. Like, I wanted stuff, and I remember an Atari, like my cousin had an Atari. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And I wanted it so bad, and he wouldn't even let me play with it. He was so mean about it. Like, he was just hateful, and I still resentful to you know? But I mean, like, I didn't want my girls to be me, right. but if you overfeed that, like, you're going to make them be him. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So we have to find a balance. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, mm-hmm. don't just be grateful, too, mm-hmm. because uh, he was hard. I had it rough. Yeah. You still want an Atari, though, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're our you got a PlayStation. I have a PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's almost time to uh, wrap up. So um, I, I do want to say some things about hitting. Please. Um, a couple of things that may be helpful. As adults, we are the, um, the structure for our kids. And so what I would encourage, first of all, is to pull him aside and say, I want you to know that you are now at preschool, you're now in my home, and here's what the expectation is. I know that you're used to doing, you know, either hitting people or however you want to say that, but in in this family, in this environment, um, that's not going to be okay. The second thing that I would say is every single time he shows up at the door, and then... I did it because I took him all week. Yeah. And I've told him, because I struggle with that. Because I do not like, because I, I'm not saying I was bullied, but my little, my little boy is everything to me. I mean, I know he has problems. He's little. I mean, he's very petite. You know, he's going to get picked on. I understand that, but I do not handle that well. Yeah. I don't like it. You can mess with me all you want, but don't mess with me. What you'll probably have to do is every 30 minutes acknowledge that he didn't pick on him. 
and just recognize that you're doing really well. I took him to the babysitter, and I and I and Angie watched me through the door. I mean, I could see her, and I I had him sit in front of me. I said, "Bubby, I said we're not hitting people today. Yeah, said, we don't do that here. Yeah." I said, you can do it at home with to your big brother. But I said, yes. We don't yeah. do it to Grace. We don't do it to anybody else here. Yeah. And, okay, well, I picked him up. And Miss Angie said, well, he was hitting again. So I, to- I took him back out of the car and I told him, I said, Bobby, we're not supposed to do that. Remember how you that, that was at the baby that was at the babysitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. the babysitter has to do that. You can't, because you can't extend your authority onto that babysitter. If you were there, then he'd probably be more likely to behave. So she's going to have to do the very same thing. Okay. Is that today you can't do this, and if you do, then I always tell people if you're going to be big enough to hit somebody, then you're going to have to be big enough to take the consequences. And then he will look at you and say, "What are they?" And then I will say, "Hit me and find out." <laughs> right here. If you need to hit somebody, you hit me, and then you find out what the consequences are. And I've never had any kid ever take me up on it. I think he would. Well, then there would have to. Yeah. Then, then there would have to be a consequence. Yeah. Yeah. So then, what do you do if he does that? Yeah. What What you'll have to do is isolate him. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if he is by himself. What matters is what he's doing when he's interacting with other people. And since so much of what he's doing is that interaction, is that you're going to have to like take some uh, masking tape, which comes up, put mask tape, masking tape, a little a little section that he's not going to like, put some toys in there, and say you're going to have to play here until the buzzer goes off. And then if he hits it again, then you increase that period of time. And then you watch him and you figure out at what point is it not worth it for him to have to be there. And at some point he's going to get really, really frustrated. So I would start with uh, a moderate amount of time because this is a habit that he has. And a moderate amount of time for him might actually be like 10 or 15 minutes where you have to be there. Um, And then you have to be real close to him because the minute you see this, um, that's where you're going to have to manage it or you see this kind of emotion or something and you may actually have to keep him somewhat separated from playing with your son for a little bit and just say you, you're not going to be able to do this for a while he's a big kid centers too yeah he's just he doesn't care they just let him play like that at home sure sure they don't have the structure and yeah you know like michael's out of that negative Sure, sure. Well, the the other thing is that at some point someone's going to haul off and wail on him. Yeah, and, with a fishing pole. I mean, my mother still needs Right, and... I thought about hiring somebody just to do it for fun. She, <laughs> so you all didn't hear that. Um, you, <laughs> you all, yeah. Yeah. You, um, you, you don't want to have to resort to that, but at some point in time that will actually happen to him, and somebody will get really, really angry, and what will happen is that it might be be overdone on him because they're going to be so ticked about it. And what you're trying to do is have him recognize that there are different rules in different environments. So the rule at home is you can be more physical. The rule at school and the rule at other people's houses is that you're not going to be able to do that quite so well. So you're going to, you have to just stay on, on, on any kind of unconscious response. He's just going to do that. And you're going to have to work, you know, whoever's there is just going to have to stay on that for a really, really long time and see how that's going to work. And you can train him um, to not do that in another environment. But when he goes home, he's going to go right back and do that, which may mean that there'll be a bleed over. Like what you guys have found out is that there's a bleed over with somebody's previous environment into yours. And so you're going to have to really stay at it. Or your son's just going to have to wail on him at some point when nobody's looking. And, you know, he'll stop doing that.
So, um, the material that you got today, uh, well, you're welcome to take it home and take a look at it. Um, the very beginning has some spiritual goals. There are um, some spiritual theological points that have come out in research that help people to grow closer to Christ. And so I've listed those big statements out with some um, statements underneath theologically that you might want to take a look at. The second section then is about emotional competence. And then I put some scriptures out underneath that also. And then you have um, after that um, just a way to change behavior that tries to incorporate spiritual, um, genetic, social, environment, family together. Uh, So you can kind of read through that. And then you have a a section that's called practice that um, Scooty put together that we looked at what are some very specific things that you can do that can really help you to figure out um, how you might want to begin putting some of these Um, elements in place that we're really talking about. So thank you for the great conversation today. It is 1035. Let's close with a word of prayer and we'll be done. Lord, I want to thank you so much that here um, we are brothers and sisters and we love our kids. And we are so grateful that um, we have been given the children that we have. Lord, for those in this group that have adopted children and those that um, are dealing with children from foster care backgrounds, we pray that you would really grant wisdom and grace to these parents so that they would really be able to move forward um, in wisdom to help hem in bad behavior on one level and help spur maturity and growth on the other. Uh, For our own biological children, Lord, um, who have their their own pros and cons, strengths and weaknesses, we pray for them that you would help for us to help them lean into you. And for those of us that have stepchildren, Lord, we pray that you would help them to be attached to us, to to the parents, the step-parents, so that we would be able to disciple them well. Lord, help us to make those connections with our children that would allow for them to come to a greater point of rest and trust, that they would accept um, the goodness that is being offered to them, and you would give us persistence and wisdom until they do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.